0: to Weber State Weekly's football game day show. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show with me today, former Weber State football coach and uh, current high school football coach, Tom Um uh, loud, proud Wildcat. Tom, first time we've had the, the chance to chat Weber State ho- football uh, together on Weber State Weekly. So thanks for joining us, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good to ha- have you back. I know you, the road is taking you on a long travel, but it's uh, it's good to have you back in the saddle again.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you, we, we, got, we got to our place, our new place, and it took us like a week and a half to get internet, which in, in the modern age feels like months. It just felt so long. And then finally they said, okay, internet's turned on. And so like, all right, we got some opportunities. We're going to crank out some Weber State content because a lot's been happening lately with football, volleyball. You know, soccer team is playing well right now. I ended up getting right, into the semifinals. Right. Uh, so a lot, a lot of wildcast sports going on. Plus Hoops is playing uh, as we're recording this on Thursday night. Hoops are playing tonight uh, against uh, an exhibition against um, Cody Carlson's alma mater uh, or former school, uh, Concordia, uh, St. Paul. Right, I think that's what it's called. Right. Anyway, a lot of lot of stuff going on, but we're here to talk about football, Tom. That's what you know best. Uh, so let's do it. But before we get started, uh, I just want to make sure. That we encourage everybody to subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, you can find Weber State Weekly. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Twitter, one of the best places to interact with the Weber State Weekly team, especially on game day. And then we've got a Patreon. Um, part of being a patron to Weaver State Weekly gets you access to our Slack channel. We've got a game day Slack channel for our patrons. Everybody gets to sit there and talk about what's going on on the field. Sometimes people are there. Sometimes we have, you know, patrons who are on the road and uh, they're keeping us, giving us live updates in there for those of us that didn't make the trip. So, interesting place to be. And you can only get it if you go to patreon.com slash Weaver State Weekly and become a patron. So, uh, Good with that, Tom. Today's show, we're going to recap Weber State at Idaho State just a little bit, get get some of your takes on that game, and then we're going to move on to the match at hand. Portland State coming to Ogden to take on the Wildcats, and then uh, we'll take a fly around the sky. I'm going to get your takes and see, Tom, what you think about some of the matchups happening across the big sky. So, Tom, let's let's get started with this uh, Weber State at Idaho State game that happened up in Pocatello over the weekend. Wildcats roll 40 to 17. It was a good, good matchup, good statement win from the Wildcats, one that they need to continue to build that resume for a case to get into the playoffs. And so Tom, just kind of give me your, uh, give me your initial reaction, kind of your initial takes on how that one ended up as the Wildcats get the dub in Pocatello.
1: You know, I I really kind of going back and watching the game. I really like that quarterback, play. I know that we had the, the pick six, but you know, you watch the way that he started that game. You know, the first play, Coach Hammer calls. It's the little uh, play-action rollout. He doesn't have anybody there, so he takes the the deep over route. It's a safe throw. It's out of bounds, but the Idaho State covered it well. I think his second throw, he was going to get hit in the mouth, and they threw a little, they ran a little slant in behind, and he, he saw that linebacker coming downhill on him. He stood in there and threw the ball. And then his next play is a a touchdown. You know, the corner sits on it. The safety didn't get over. And there we are running deep for for a touchdown. So, you know, I thought he played really well. You know, in the second half, there was a ball there. Man, it was about, we were about on the 25 going in. He had a little pressure from the, the left tackle. He just needed to shuffle his feet a little bit, set his feet, and then just drive that ball in there, and it would have been a pick six, but it ended up being an in, uh, an incompletion. So I thought that was I thought I thought he's played I thought he played well. I thought to be honest with you, back at the Eastern Washington game, I still thought he was banged up a little bit. I oh. thought I thought he looked a little bit hurt, you know, his legs and things. But it seems like he he, he looked healthier on Saturday. And I guess, and the the biggest thing, the last thing, I mean, you can't, you can't talk about the Idaho state game without talking about the kickoff return, Mm. you know, that's, that's that's just an awesome, an awesome accomplishment, but it amazes me. And you being a smarter man than me, I'm watching that game. They punt, they punt to him. Shahid, he returns it about 25. Punts again, fair catches it. They punt to him again. He rattles off another 25, 30. And then we go in at a half and I'm thinking, Hey, let's reevaluate this. Maybe let's not kick off to him. Maybe not. Maybe yeah, let's not give chunks. him a Yeah. Let's not, let's not give him a chance. He's a little faster than in person than he was on film. And they kicked it to him. And you know, the, the coverage is so bad too, because they came down inside and, and the one defender dipped his head inside and, and Rashid was out the door and gone. And I'll tell you this, and this is a stat that's going to go unnoticed, but you know, when I looked up his name, uh, Jack Kelly, number 51. Yep. He's at the top of the blocking and his guy comes downhill and he kind of misses his block. But the first thing he does is old Jack Kelly from Kearns High School, he puts his foot in the ground and he goes and finds work and the guy that's coming over the top to make the tackle, the last he's the guy that has the last chance to make the tackle, uh, Jack Kelly, a, a freshman from Kearns, makes that block. So there's a stat that's going to go unnoticed, um, but that, that's a heck of a football play. And I'm excited to see what kind of future he has with, with, with uh, Weaver State being a freshman linebacker, again, a Utah kid. So I'll, I'll be watching for him. He's kind of got my attention on that one little special teams play.
0: Yeah. Like you said, uh heads up play and one that I think that probably most freshmen don't consider making, like you said, maybe miss the initial block. Maybe Shahid's maybe starting to get a little bit behind him. All right, I'm going to give up. He didn't yeah. do that. Ended up. Yeah. And It made all the difference because Rashid Shahid gets, like you said, out the door toward the bottom of the field. If you watch the play, and I'm sure you've seen it all over social media at this point, Wildcat fans, probably a dozen times at least. Once Shahid gets down to the bottom of the field and he gets kind of past that initial wave, there is a huge amount of space available to him. And he just hits the Jets. And then by the time he's to the 50, like... That's it folks. Like you're not going to get him. He's, he's <laughs> gone. And it's funny because the announcer goes, uh, ah, I think that's history, right? Like, yeah, that's history yeah. right there.
1: And he threw right. it up we got seven. Hey, you know what? And I'm going to, I'm going to go way back in history. Here's a little history for you. So Weber state and, and this will be for the last two weeks, I've seen something that's made me so jealous and, and Eastern Washington has one of them. And Idaho State has one of them. And I had to keep watching it and seeing it all the time. But they got one of those national championship yep. banners, right? Eastern's yep, got do. one in Idaho State. Well, it's funny that uh, the uh, the banner that uh, Idaho State has is a direct reflection, kind of a, a favor that Weber State did for them. Because that was in 1981. And Weber State was part of the first overtime college overtime football game. And it was played at Idaho state last game of the season and Roger Ruzak hits a, I think a 50 yard field goal to send the game into overtime. And, uh, so it goes into three overtimes, Idaho state ends up winning. They're six and one. So they get to go to the playoffs. Um, but there's another special teams kind of history moment in that dome. That one didn't go in favor of Weaver state like this one did, but, uh, uh, there's a little history lesson for you, <laughs> uh,
0: Tom, Tom, last one I wanted to ask you, cause I'm with you, man. I noticed that that national championship banner up on the wall the, of, of Holt arena the whole time. And it's just sort of like, man, how'd they get one? What the freak man? Anyway,
1: but that's back in the, that's back in the day when you only had a few teams going into the playoffs, man, it was tough back in the day. Even when I played, you know, they only took 16 teams. It was so, you know, it was, it was tough back then to get in. Yeah. Just know? to get
0: in. Cause now 24, I believe. Right.
1: Yeah. does not it fluctuate between 24 and 32? I, yeah. I'm not sure.
0: I don't know either, but yeah. a lot more either way, not 16. Yeah. And that's for dang sure. Yeah. I think you're right. 24. But uh, Tom, last thing I wanted to ask you about Idaho state and then we'll, we'll flip the script and we'll start talking about Portland state in the match today. Uh, the, the game at, at Stewart stadium, um, they did a lot of stuff with Creighton Cooper in this one. Actually, ended up leading all rushers with like 64 yards. Um, and so, I'm, I'm, I wanted to ask you, you know, as a coach, how sustainable do you think it is? I mean, people start to see they putting Cooper in, like, okay, this is probably going to be a, you know, some sort of like a, a run package of some sort, some sort of like wildcat keeper. But I'm wondering, we know that Creighton Cooper, who is uh, an alumnus of Lehigh High School. Really good down there. Had quite an arm, was pretty accurate. I'm wondering if this is the beginnings of maybe like the next Stefan Cantwell at Weber State, where we've got a guy who's getting training early on how to run with the ball and be effective. Plus, all we already know that he's a good passer and an accurate passer as he gets more reps and gets more time. Junior, senior year, you've got a guy who can really hurt you. How sustainable are these run packages with Creighton Cooper? And do you see something more there for the future?
1: Yeah, well, I know Creighton, you know, I had a chance to meet him actually at, at Lehigh High School at a at a at a basketball game Bonneville was playing down there. And he is a big looking kid. He's a good looking kid. So he's not a, you know, he's a he's a linebacker playing quarterback to me when I saw him in person. So he's a big physical kid. And, you know, it's it's gonna be interesting how that evolves, right? Because at some point in time, defense are gonna have to say, hey, he's running the football. We've got, to, we've got to balance up the box. We've mm-hmm. got to account for him. And it's going to be interesting to see what Coach Hammer comes up with as far as throwing the football yeah. and how that, how that whole process is going to evolve and where he's going to fit in and, and uh, you know, how that's going to work. You know, and I've watched him on film because, you know, coaching at Bonneville, I've seen film on him scouting different teams that we play because they're both 5A schools. But, yeah, he can sling it a little bit definitely he can sling it. So it's going to be interesting to see how he grows and develops and, and uh, what we're going to be talking about down the road. And maybe in these next three games, you know, what, what are we going to be talking about?
0: Yeah. Because like you said, um very physical runner. um starting to really kind of, I think, get the hang of how to deal with some of these backers and guys in the big sky conference and how to shake them, how to get that a little bit of extra yardage. And so that technique coupled with his experience at, at the quarterback position, um, I think it makes for a recipe that just really, and like you said, Tom, keeping the defense is honest because they have to account for him because they know he's a threat to run. That's been the primary role that he's played coming into those sets. And so the defense has to account for him. They have to, you know, balance that out. And so I think that it, it, it creates an opportunity where coach Matt hammer then can kind of like, like I said, keep defenses honest and say, okay, we're going to have to commit a, a guy or two in the box. And that's one less guy or two that's going to be out floating around. And so you can really run some interesting routes, especially if he starts to use the arm a little bit more and it starts to create a nightmare scenario for, for defenses because now they got to pick their poison. And uh, the more that goes on, I think that it, it breeds success for the wildcats on offense. Yeah.
1: And we need to, de- we need to continue to develop him because, you know, if you're going to run the ball, like they like to run the quarterback, you got to have another guy. You got to yep. have another guy, right? No.
0: Yeah. We, we learned that in 2017 when Stephen Cantwell got injured, right. Uh, yeah. Ends up getting hit as he goes out of bounds for Southern Utah, the Wildcats lose that game and uh, really, really kind of hurt their prospects. But, ended up getting redemption later in the playoffs against yes, the T-Birds. But, but, you know, having that extra guy and the next man up in the event that somebody gets hurt on a run like that, really critical and difficult this year, I think because there have been so many injuries, Colin Weiss was still recovering from a broken leg that he mm-hmm. suffered at Cal Poly. Like you mentioned, Bronson Baron has had some injuries this year been a little bit banged up. Uh, right. So a lot of injuries at the quarterback position for the Wildcats this year. So, Tom, let's talk. Uh, let's let's look forward a little bit, man. Let's talk about the Vikings making the trip down to Ogden. It's first time the Wildcats have seen this team since 2017, uh, where that one did not go in, in, in their favor. Uh, I think they ended up the Wildcats ended up winning that one 63 17 up at Hillsborough. Uh, so, yeah, this will be the first time we've seen them in a while. And um I, Portland State's kind of an interesting animal this year. They were kind of middling in a lot of ways, uh, a team that the way the way I put it in the notes was they're a team who is beat who they should beat. And they've lost to who they should lose to except for one team. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But first question here for you, Tom, Portland State's coming to Ogden at number three in the conference for passing offense. They've got a quarterback in Davis Alexander. He's a senior. And he's a big reason why. Uh, he's he's the number two spot in the conference, right behind Eric Berrier, who we know is gonna be, I think, definitely a Walter Payton Award finalist this year, uh, with as prolific as he's been. But Davis Alexander, no slouch in his own right, can really throw the ball well. You think that the Wildcats run kind of a similar formula that they against Alexander that they ran against Eric Berrier? I don't know, like how, how are you feeling about how this matchup is maybe a little bit different than what the Wildcats saw in Cheney against Berrier?
1: Well, I think uh, we can't forget. The the one formula was the three fake punts, right? Mm-hmm. And that and that's three possessions that we stole from them, plus the two turnovers. So again, that's five possessions that their offense does not have the ball. You know, the turnovers depending on when the turnovers happen. Yeah. So so that's you know, are we going to run three fake punts on Saturday? I don't know. I don't know if we're if we're not going to be that situation where where we think we have to steal those possessions. So that's that's one part of the formula. So I don't think that's going to transfer over. Um, I think, I think the other part of it too, is, you know, and, and you could talk to this maybe a little bit more, you know, as far as running quarterbacks, right. The Eastern Washington quarterback. I mean, he gets out there, man, he's scary. You know, he can throw yeah. it on the run and he can put his foot in the ground and get, get going pretty darn fast downhill. So that causes, puts a lot of pressure on the defense. You've got to be disciplined. And, and be in the right spot and keep your eyes on him for not only the pass or the run, can't get too deep in your drop and, and all those type of things. So I don't know, you know, what's your thoughts on, on, on him being able to, to, to scramble around back there and, and kind of make plays off script?
0: Yeah, I think so. I checked into the numbers because this was something that interested me. I was like, OK, we know Alexander can throw the ball. The numbers are there for him. can he run like what kind of running threat is he and so i looked at some of his um rush numbers this season and there only there was one game where I can't and I can't remember which it was, but he had like 64 yards on the ground, which is like oh okay, you know you got a quarterback going for 64 yards, that's not nothing in a game. But most of his performances, he was between 10 and 20 yards, you know, and and his long was the majority of those yards. So it looks like there's maybe one two plays a game where he kind of gets out of the pocket, you know, maybe runs downfield because the the look is there, and that seems to be the majority of what he does. I think that. Maybe the Wildcats learned a little bit from the way that they they dealt with Barrier. It was clear that they wanted to commit to coverage and make sure that if he was going to throw the ball, it was going to be difficult. And then right. hope that the the Wildcat pass rush could, you know, pressure him enough to make mistakes or just, you know, get him to throw the ball away and waste downs. I wonder though, there were quite a number of plays like that where they they committed to that strategy. And Barrier saw the opportunity in the middle of the field, which was basically empty and said, I'm going to, I'm going to run for 10, 15 yards. And so I wonder in this case, if the Wildcats adjust that strategy a little bit and say, we're still going to commit to coverage because, um, because Alexander is such a prolific passer and he's got at least three guys out there. And we're going to talk about one of them here in a minute uh, that can really catch the ball. I wonder if they, commit maybe one or two less guys out there in coverage and just kind of see how it goes and keep the middle of the field clogged to kind of keep him contained. Because if I think that if they can keep Alexander contained the pass rush, I feel like the defensive line is coming on and has for the past few weeks, there's an opportunity then for the Wildcats to pressure him and make him throw into some of that coverage or just throw the ball away and waste it down. So we'll see what they learned from executing on that strategy against barrier, because I think that there's a possibility that it could look similar, but we'll have to see what the wrinkle is.
1: Yeah. And I think, uh, I think kind of what you said, and and I'll put it, I'll put it in Canadian terms, right. We're going to be on, on Saturday, we're going to be working with a, with a sitting duck and in Eastern Washington, we're working with a moving target because that kid was moving all over the place. So, you know, and I'm, I don't know if he's that type of quarterback that's just going to sit in there and start to feel the pressure of our D line. That's, I think that's going to be the difference in the two, two quarterbacks, yeah. but he can sling it because his numbers, his numbers, they're, they're, they're not are. that far off, yeah. you know? Yeah. They're there. So he can sling it and, and it, you can sling it flying around the pocket or you can sling it sitting in the pocket. So either way, he's got some pretty impressive numbers. Yeah. And so we talked about the fact that he's got some guys that
0: he can sling it to Um, Davis Alexander has the opportunity to throw to junior wide receiver, Bo Kelly. Um, He's been really good this season. Um, The secondary has been asked to do some really tough assignments this season um, covering, I mean, this goes kind of, I think this is a little bit understated because of, some of the problems that Idaho state has had at the quarterback position with Tyler Vanderwall going out and then them starting a true freshman in that game. Um, but Tanner Connor uh, at Idaho state is no slouch, uh, a very dangerous target. And in, in the big sky podcast network, we had him ranked as the mid season MVP in the spring because his impact with Vanderwall was so great. So we know that, there have been a lot of opportunities for the wildcat secondary to show their quality. And this is going to be another one. And so how do you think that even though I think that a lot of these Portland state guys are not necessarily household names among big sky schools. I mean, nobody's, uh, nobody's really talking about Bo Kelly, but it's clear that he's obviously talented. And so with the things that the wildcat secondary has been asked to do already this season, is this assignment any different? Or is it just business as usual? Let's cover these guys up and let's try and get
1: some more picks. Yeah. Well, I think I think this is kind of ties back into having Coach Anderson on the staff, you yeah. know, and yeah. from the standpoint of you know, Coach Anderson being on the staff and, and Jay not being the defensive coordinator and maybe floating around a little bit more. And we all know that that Jay played in the back end of the University of Utah. Yep. And the other guy in that back end that's, that's helping and coaching and got a little bit of experience, guy named uh, Coach Dyson. So yeah. he, he knows a little bit about playing in the back end, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, between Coach Hill and Coach Dyson maybe spending a little extra time and, uh, on that this week, I think they're going to come up with something and some sort of plan and, and you know, being able for the players to be able to lay, lean on their experience. And, and, and again, Coach Hill being freed up from being head coach responsibility to be floating around to certain areas on the practice field. I I think uh, most definitely he'll be spending some time over there and, and they'll come up with something. Definitely.
0: Yeah. um, Another thing to talk about um, the return of Desmond Williams, I think has been a really big factor in the performances that the secondary has put out there, having him back out there at safety, I think has made a huge difference in the way that quarterbacks are throwing because they know the threat that he is to intercept the ball or just, you know, the opportunities that he has and the speed that he has to stay in coverage, to not get burned. Um, yeah. and just, I,
1: I know we talk about turnovers and where the turnovers, but man, sometimes when you're good in the back end and people know it, they are careful with the football. I watched that Idaho state, man. They are careful where they were throwing that football. Yeah. And, you know man. <laughs> Maybe so, you know, that's what happens when you're, when you're good in the back end and they know what you can do. And people are really, really careful with that football.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that's the case. And we talked a little bit about the, on the show on Monday night, about the fact that, you know, you look at the interception numbers and it's like, well, where's Eddie Heckard? Because we know that Eddie is that talented. We know that he's, I think I'm going to put it out there and say, I think he's an NFL caliber player. He's a guy who's definitely going to get a look and go into the draft and I think that there's a good chance that he gets drafted based on you know what Taron Johnson has done in the NFL with the Buffalo Bills. I think right. that you know they people look at Eddie Heckard and say, "Yep, this is another guy that we can do." But then you look at the numbers, you say, "Well, he's only got like two picks this season or whatever, right?" Right. And it's like, yeah, but we and we asked this question on Monday night: is is that because they know that if you throw it in that direction, you better be sure because right. Eddie Heckard will get you, and if you make a mistake. It's, he's going to burn you. And he's done yeah. it a few times this season, right? And yeah. there have been opportunities where, you know, I wasn't quite there, you know, some drop passes, whatever. But is he so good that, like you said, Tom, quarterbacks are wary to even throw the ball in that direction, which shuts down that side of the field? Because usually Eddie is the one drawing the assignment of the best wide out that they have. Right. So I wonder if that's a factor as well, that they're just very careful, not willing to throw the ball in that direction unless they're. They're real sure. Right. Right. Definitely. Um, speaking about defense, let's talk a little bit about uh, junior defensive tackle, tackle VJ Malo uh, for the Vikings. This guy has been an absolute monster terrorizing quarterbacks. I think uh, when I've got the notes here, Portland state is second in the conference tied for second there. There's a little bit of a log jam there. Uh, I think they've got nine sacks this season. VJ Malo has eight of those. Mm. So this guy is just an absolute monster and he is getting to the quarterback and bringing him down. And so the O-line has had some struggles, but I think that they were working through some injuries and they've been getting better. Um, and normally we've got all Americans playing on the offensive line, right? That's a tradition at Weaver state. That's a thing that goes on really good offensive line play. Um, but man, they've got a monster coming, coming their way in Vijay Malo. And so how does the O-line need to operate in order to give Baron the time that he needs to work? Because I think we've seen that when baron has got time to work, he can really make some things happen.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the first thing everyone sees the stat, uh, uh, sees that stat in the sacks, right? Which is, that's a problem, right? Yeah. But also with a guy like that, we'll have to watch is how often does he, is he going to put us off script? So it's first and 10 and all of a sudden he's penetrating and he's putting us into a second and 12, a second and 13 or 14. It wasn't a sack, but it's that tackle behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage. So it's not the sacks that are a problem, but it's going to be, is he going to put us off script in the run game? So I think, you know, him being an inside guy. You know, you, you can, you can control that with your run game, a little bit of running to him and getting double teams with your center and guard. So that's one thing you can do, um, protection wise, you could get some double teams on him with that. Um, you know, if you're going to keep the back in that will, that will help out being able to keep those inside guys, um, you know, double teamed up on him and keep it nice and tight. And the other part of it too, is, you know, gotta run the football. Right. Um, uh, slowing a guy down, you know, getting off the ground, running the football, you know, like I talked about being off script, but now if we're on script and now it's second and two, oh, we're running the ball again and he's got to get off the ground and gets tired. You know, that's a good way to slow a guy down, too. So I think, you know, uh, not being in third and long where he can pull, put his ears back and say, here I come. But being in those great downs where you can call great plays second, you know, second and medium, you know, where it's a, a run, six, play, action. You know, yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that will, will help a lot, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, you just got to get tough, man. You yeah. just got to get tough and raise up to the challenge, man. And get excited. This is a dude, man. We got to yeah. play against the dude and, you know, let's let's uh, erase him from the game and and and, you know, get going with that. Yeah. So. so
0: just, just looked up the stats on TFLs leads the conference right now with, uh, with, so he's got 14. So solo tackles for loss six assisted for 127 yards. That's an average of 17. It's just okay. crazy.
1: Wow. So. Here's 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 going back to the Bonneville Lakers taking on Tempview last week, right? Mm. And they got a pretty good some pretty good D line too, guys. So the Lakers, we tried to run some screens. That's another option too, right? And run some screens against him and 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 maybe that slows him down a little bit.
0: Yeah, and we saw, you know, when they put Randall Johnson in um in the game, was it Eastern that they put him in? Uh anyway when they put him in um, they had some success doing just that, giving him quick opportunities to just get the ball out and just kind of roll with it. And it worked. And so definitely the, you know, the screen pass like that, just kind of let the bubble just kind of float out there and see what's going to happen. There could be success there. Right. Um, yeah. You talked a little bit about running the ball, Tom. And so I wanted to, I wanted to kind of ask what you thought here. So Portland state is at number six in the conference for pass defense, number six in the conference for rush defense. There are only 13 teams in the conference. So that's pretty much right down the middle. It's slightly above average in both of those uh, on, on both sides of the ball for the defense. If you're Matt hammer, if you're offensive coordinator, Matt hammer, which do you choose to take advantage of to move the chains?
1: Well, I think if if we go back and look at all the games that we won, OK, you go back and look at all the games we won. And I did this. This is an important stat. If you look at our rush yards versus our opponents rush yards, we won that battle when we win that battle. We've won every game except UC Davis. We were off by, I think by 15 yards, they outrushed us or we outrushed them by 15 yards and we still lost the game. Right. Mm -hmm. But all those other games, the games that we've won, we've won that rushing, that rushing battle. You know, we had more rushing yards than they did. So I'm thinking, you know, that's, that's where I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to try and run the ball, establish the run. And see, and see what we can do there. That will get my play action going. Um, that will sure up protection, because usually when you run play action, you get a little bit better protection. You know what I mean? You yeah. get that D-line to hesitate for just a second, and sometimes you're moving that line of scrimmage just maybe two or three yards, so it takes those D-linemen off their, their, rough, their rush path. So that's that's I I think you know try and get up in there and see see what kind of success we can have running the football. Yeah, and, we, you know, and you got, you know, sometimes sometimes we're running that football. You know, of course you play with five old linemen, but we got to run our one running back that's probably a biscuit away from playing some offensive line. So sometimes <laughs> we're running the ball with six old line guys because yeah, like that guy's he's a big dude, man. he yeah. can he can create his own block, right?
0: Yeah, we had uh, Chris Jackson on the show on Monday night. Uh, Chris is a big guy. I think Chris yeah. is a guy who could definitely, you know, take pick up some of those blocks and create those opportunities. But yeah. Chris is actually, uh, and, and I like that you kind of went with the establishing the run, because I think I agree with you. If you can establish the run early, it, it creates opportunities for the passing game that weren't there before. Whereas if you're just throwing the ball, you can become one dimensional. Whereas the run game gives you the opportunity to become two dimensional in a, in a really interesting way. And so I agree when the Wildcats run the ball, well, they have a lot of success when they don't run the ball. Well, they can struggle. Um, so I, I, I'm agree with you, Tom, get, get that out there. Continue to feed guys like Chris Jansen, our guy, Mac, Dante McMillan. And we've, we've even seen some DeMond Bankston uh, let those guys get out there, man. Like, let's see them, let's see them run. And uh, when they have the chance, you know they can get out on the edge or they can just go like Chris he's going straight up the middle man and he is having a lot of success there just the yeah. the, the touchdowns are are piling up and we talked to him on Monday about the fact that he's the short yardage situation guy you need right. 3 yards you know goal line situations send in the battering ram chris is going to yeah. get it for you you know and so i think i agree with
1: you get the run established early it would it would really suck tackling that guy tackling him one time's okay tackling him a second time's okay but come that fourth quarter it's not fun anymore. It's not fun
0: anymore. So he talked about that, right? He said that, you know, <laughs> that the fact that his body type, you know, guys get tired of having to bring him down because he's such a big guy and he has and he's so powerful that yeah. like you said, as as time wears on, he uh you get to that fourth quarter and they say, Okay, we're gonna send him again. They're just like, Oh, they're gonna send him
1: again. Yeah, and he's getting you know he's getting lathered up a little bit. He's getting excited. This is getting yeah. fun now,
0: man. Yeah, he's having success for sure. And we're and it's good it's to September. see
1: him. Yeah. uh last
0: question on this Tom. Vikings have uh, beat who they were supposed to beat like we said at the stop at the start of the of this segment and they've lost to who they're supposed to lose to except for Idaho. They took the trip to Moscow and they ended up losing in the Kibbe Dome which I don't think anybody expected them to lose. I think most people would say, yeah Portland they should probably win that game, but they didn't. Right. What does that mean for the Wildcats coming in because that's a road game? Uh, they've done a pretty good job of taking care of business um, at home but the road is where they've had some struggles. And so Vikings on the road, normally Stewart stadium is a very difficult place to play football. Hasn't necessarily been so much this year, but normally it's a difficult place to win with that kind of a history where they struggled on the road. I mean, does it give the Wildcats an advantage or does it mean nothing?
1: Man, That's a, that's a good question. Eh? Of course, I mean, when you're at home, it's going to give you an advantage, right? Yeah. Um, You got the crowd on your side. It makes a difference. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think the other part too is it's going to come down to is how excited are they to to come here and play, you know? And with with their quarterback and they're having success on offense, I would say they're pretty going to be a pretty motivated group to raise up to this challenge of playing against the Weaver State defense, you know? Yeah. Cause it's fun, right? I mean, if you got a guy back there slinging around and, and maybe, maybe, you know, record wise, maybe they haven't won as many games as they would like, but it's still fun when you're on offense and you're, you're having success and scoring touchdowns and all those type of things. So I think, you know, I think it comes down to, you know, how, how anxious are they to show off their offense? Yeah. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Cause right now their offense, um, they're, they're number six in the conference total offense, but the Wildcats coming in number two in the conference for defense. Yeah. So this is, this is going to be something interesting. Looking at the passing numbers, their passing offense, number three in the conference, but the Wildcats number two in the conference for pass defense. Yeah. So sort of, I think that to wrap this up, I think that what this matchup means is that unfortunately for the Vikings, the wildcats are good at the things at defending the things that they're good at. Uh And I think that the Vikings are middling at defending the things that the wildcats are good at. So we talked about the run game, right? They're just kind of like, nah, they're just number six. It's just kind of middle of the road. It's not great. It's not terrible. It just is what it is. That's an opportunity. Whereas the Vikings are very good at throwing the ball. We've seen that. But the wildcats are very good at defending that pass and so it creates challenges for them to get going what they like to get going meanwhile the wildcats are able to have some success doing the things that they like to do on the other side of the ball
1: but if you look at it too it depends how you look at it too right because if you're looking at yards per game you know they're they're at number nine but if you look at it yards per carry they're up at number six So there's kind of two different ways to look at it. And the other part of it too is Idaho state averaged on the ground, 124 yards. I think what, I think that's what they average, right? 124 yards. How many yards did they get against the wildcat defense? (laughs)
0: 24,
1: 24. That's it. So I'm not real good at math. So Portland state averages four more than Idaho state. So does that mean Portland state's going to rush for 26 yards? <laughs> <laughs> we'll yeah. see, right?
0: Yeah, right, because it's there. Like, like you said, they're they're just averaging. I mean, it's one one twenty four point nine for the for Idaho State for the Bengals. Yeah. State only averaging one hundred twenty eight point three yards per game on the ground, and so 26, I think it's, 26
1: is fair. <laughs> you yeah, know, I think it's pretty hard to win any football game when you rush for twenty four yards.
0: Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. Don't know. Right it's It's like what we just talked about, right? Where it's like you get this you establish the run early. It opens the door for lots of other things. You know, if you're just passing all the time, you can have a success, but it kind of makes you one-dimensional. And when the team figures out and makes adjustments, takes that away. Yeah, that's a recipe for disaster, yeah, all right, Tom, um, looking forward to the Portland State game. I think that the kick is at one o'clock local time, so that means, That uh, they'll be out there tailgating at 11 a.m. up at Stewart Stadium. So be sure to go up there and check that out. Um, Shout out to our guys out there. Everybody who's been showing up this season tailgating out there. It's been a really fun scene this year. So go up there and be a part of it because it's a ton of fun up there. And now we're going to talk about the sky. We're going to fly around the sky real quick. Tom, I'm going to get your takes. So look at some of these matchups. They're going to be happening across the conference. First one up, Montana is taking the trip down to Greeley. They're going to be taking on Northern Colorado. What do you got on this one, Tom? Montana's been a little bit beat up, had some struggles of late, uh, just barely beating Southern Utah last weekend. Um, Northern Colorado has just been kind of meh in Ed McCaffrey, Coach Ed McCaffrey's first season. Uh, I think that's to be expected. Who are you taking in this one?
1: Oh, easy. Montana. Wake up call. Wake up call from last week of playing a maybe lesser team and not being ready to play. I'm sure Bobby Hawk will have those guys ready to play. No brainer. Montana. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm with you too.
0: I think I'm going to take the Grizz on the road here just because Northern Colorado was up against, I'm pretty sure it was Northern Colorado was up against Montana state. Uh, I think a couple of weeks ago and you know, they, they they got shut down. They didn't look good against that defense. Montana state has a great defense as we found out on October 15th, Montana is no different. They also have a great defense, a lot of takeaways, just very, very capable the problem for them has been offense. Um, but I think that they get it done. I think they find enough points to put the bears away at home. Yeah. Next up, Idaho State is taking the trip to Provo. They're going to be playing BYU in a body bag game. Who you got in this one, Tom?
1: <laughs> Let's go, Cougs, man! Here we <laughs> <you> go.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's the Cougs for me. Yeah, it's like there's this is a this is a money game. Idaho State has not been strong, but they got to pay the bills, and so it is what it is. Uh, they're going to play the Cougars. They're going to lose. But they're
1: going to get paid, so whatever. Got pay for that new facility they're getting. The yeah,
0: yeah, they're going to upgrade <laughs> Holt Arena. The potato cellar is what I've been calling it on social. Yeah, <laughs> Gar- garbage facility. Um, all right, uh, UC Davis is going to be taking the trip. De- I guess technically up to Flagstaff, Arizona, which is a sixty four hundred feet. Um, this is a weird one, man. Uh playing up at the skydome is weird. Wildcats have had struggles up there, and it was just a weird place to play football. And Davis has had some struggles of late. They ended up losing to Idaho State in Pocatello. That's why we were a little bit nervous about the game last week with the Wildcats making that same trip, but no problem there. So who do you got in this one? This one's a little bit weird. Davis or uh the lumberjacks, NAU.
1: Man, I'm yeah. gonna go. I'm gonna go with Davis. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Davis just from, from a coaching standpoint. You know, the head coach has got a lot of experience, that Boise experience. And True. I, I think, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Davis, you know, and their, their offense is one of the top offenses, right? So as far as rushing, they're able to run the football. And so I kind of get I'm going to lean that way. Yeah. And any of you looking at the numbers here isn't great at defending the run either.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing I think that sticks out most to me, Tom, is the fact that, Alonzo Gilliam is an absolute monster. We've seen him. He, I mean, we saw him in the spring. We saw him again this season. The guy can run the ball. NAU has not been very good at defending that rush. And so I think when I look at that, I say, okay, you know, NAU currently 10th in the conference at defending the rush. And so it's just like, I think Alonzo Gilliam has a really good day. And like we talked about, when you're establishing the run and they can't stop you you're going to get mowed mowed down. Think about the last time NAU Wildcats had a really good rushing day against NAU. We absolutely clobbered them. I think Josh Davis went for like 400 yards in that game or something like that. It was was insane. So I'm with you. I think that the Davis run is the difference in this one. Uh, I think we got one more. We got, no, we got two more. This is the big one. This is going to be, I think the game of the week for uh, maybe across the country. Because this is a big, this is a big matchup. There may be some others, but this is in the big sky. This is the game. Montana state Bobcats taking the trip to Cheney to play the Eagles after a bye week I think they both just came off of a bye week um, on the, on the inferno on the red turf. Who are you taking on this one, Tom? This one, uh, something else.
1: Yeah. I'm man. I'm taking, I know I've been talking running the football and uh, you know, all the positives about that, but I'm taking Eastern Washington. For a quarterback that can that can get into trouble and turn something into a big play, you know, and I watched that TV game against Montana, and just seeing how his athleticism affected the game, right? And then I just think that's going to be the key. I mean, he is an athletic, an athletic quarterback, and I think that that's going to be the difference of him running running around, being able to make a play. And that pass rush, you know, and I think I think Montana State has a pretty good front seven. You know, from watching them play Weber State and holding us to what seven points, I think it was. Yep. I mean, they got a good front seven, but certainly do. You know, get that quarterback running around, making plays. I think that's going to be the difference.
0: Oh man, this is so hard for me uh, because on the road, on the road, it's and I think that. I don't know because the Montana state of old, I would have expected, I would have expected Chote to lose this game. Right. Like right. all things considered, I think Cho loses on the road because that's kind of what he does. Um, vegan has shown to be different. Vegan has shown that he's willing to go down to Ogden and win, which is something that hasn't happened. And I think it hadn't happened in a while. Um, right. Cho never beat Weber state, uh, but vegan did gets it done in his first season. Um, so I, and plus you look at the passing, the pass defense. Montana State is the number one pass defense in the conference right now. They're allowing just, they're allowing 10 yards fewer than Weber State, who is number two. They're giving up only 155 yards a game right, through the air. And I think that that number is going to come up a bit because Eric Berrier is Eric Berrier. But like you said, their front seven, we saw. Daniel Hardy is a monster. Plus they've got Troy Anderson back there as well as a linebacker who can, you know, he can stop the run, but at the same time, Montana state has a guy named Isaiah Fonse who is an animal. That guy, I mean, you saw there were a lot of plays where that guy just, just pushing guys off of him and just churning those legs and getting that extra yardage. So everything, I don't know, man, everything to me looks like Montana state, Montana state, should probably win this. They've got all the tools they need. They've got the pass rush. They've got the secondary. They've got, they've got the run game and the run game, I think is ultimately the way that the Wildcats end up beating Eastern Washington. And they also got the turnovers, man. Montana state's got 11 interceptions this season. Hmm. Uh, and Eric That's Berry, a point, has, man. Eric Berry has shown himself to be undisciplined at times with the football. And so everything is leading me to say that Montana state should be the winner in this game. But my heart wants to say that Eastern Washington wins. And I think that that's, that's where it goes. I think when it, when it comes down to facts, I think Eastern Washington pulls it out. They write the ship after the bye week they're ready and they get the dub. But man, that's a tough one.
1: It's going to be a fun game. (laughs) Yeah. This game is a fun game. It'll be, be interesting. I think it's going to come down to the back end of, of, uh, uh, Montana State. You know, if they can hold up, if they can hold up like Weaver State's back end did, then then Montana's gonna win that game. But I don't know if they're as talented in the back end as Weaver State is. I don't yeah. think they are.
0: So final one uh, this week, Tom Cal Poly's taking the trip up to Sac State um to, to take on the Hornets. Cal Poly has not been good this season. What do you got, man?
1: <laughs> oh, Sac State Being ranked, got a lot to lose. They'll be motivated and ready to go. And it's a bit of a recruiting deal, too, right? You know, kind of a, that's a big part of it also. So, yeah, that's an easy one.
0: Yep. Sac State, I think, kind of on cruise control until the last game of the season, we'll have to make the trip down the causeway uh, to Davis. To uh, that'll be a, I don't think that'll be a big game with national implications. Um, But for right now, I think I'm, I agree with you. I think Sac State takes care of Polly. They've been bad. They're still working on stuff. Coach Bo Bo Baldwin's first season down there. Um, I don't expect them to win and they probably won't. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I'll tell you this, it's an interesting about football as you look, as you look at the Montana, Southern Utah, right? Yeah. But Montana have 12 penalties, they had 12 penalties, five that were deferred. So that's 17 penalties. They had two turnovers that equaled, I think, six or nine points. So you start throwing that, you know, I know me and you kind of look at the stats and, you know, we see different players, teams play against us and kind of come up with a formula. But you start mixing in turnovers and penalties, that kind of levels the playing field pretty darn fast. So it'll be interesting to see how some of these games work out and if that's a big factor in those games. It almost got Mondana. Yeah. Almost cost Almost
0: them. Oh, that would have cost them, I think, a playoff spot should they have lost that game to SUU up at Wash Grizz. Yep. All right, man. So, like we said, uh, this Saturday, I mean, you're all getting ready for the game. Uh, we're going to be playing Portland State. Kick is at one. If you're not in Ogden, like me, you'll be watching the game on ESPN Plus, or you can listen to it on 103 Won the Wave. Hear the dulcet tones of Steve Klauke. And then next week, big one, man. Wildcats. Hit the road, head down to Southern Utah for what might be the last Beehive Bowl for a while. This will be the last season that Southern Utah is in the Big Sky Conference. They're making the change over to the WAC. And so as part of that, um, this will be probably the last one. And we'll see kind of how things shake out in the future. But Saturday, November 13th, Wildcats taking the trip down to Cedar City. 2 p.m. kick. Thank you. Not a 7 p.m. kick like we've seen in the past. I hate those, man. It's just the absolute worst. Uh, but yeah, that's totally a thing. Um, that, that game will be on ESPN Plus, so I'll be watching it there. But alumni is doing a tailgate down there. So go down there, check it out. Uh, it should be a good time hanging out with a lot of good folks. So that's the show, Tom. I think that went a lot longer than we anticipated, but a lot of good stuff here. So thanks for taking the time, man, to chat with me. Uh, you know where to find us, folks. WeberStateWeekly at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We've got the Patreon. And you can check out our blog at WeberStateWeekly.com. We'll wrap this one up like we usually do, Tom. And I'll say Weber State, Weber State. Great, great, great. Go Wildcats.